You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 202, Eric Fisher and the Productive Life. Hey, let's do some stuff. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you're a regular listener to the show and you uh, want to help us keep going, feel free to always stop in at Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash halfway there to support the show. You can get episodes early. You can get uh, you know swag, things like that. I would love to have you there. Hey, our guest today, I'm so excited about this because um, he's somebody, he's one of the podcasters I listen to, and I think you guys will, um, will really connect with him. Can't wait to have this conversation. He is a productivity podcaster. He also, so he's, his show is called Beyond the To-Do List. You can find him at beyondthetodolist.com. He's also the director of social media education at Agorapulse. So we'll have to talk about that. I was just checking that out. Um, and so this is great. I'm excited to have Eric Fisher on the show. Eric, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks for having me. That is uh, fantastic. Like I was, I was telling you earlier, you're one of the shows that I used to used to listen to. So when I was stuck in my cube, hating my life, uh, you, you, you were helpful. <laughs> so thanks for that. Hey, uh, I really uh, want to hear a little bit about you and kind of where God has you right now. Tell us about that. And uh, maybe even uh, Agora Pulse. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, where I'm at right now is uh, in an extremely thankful place. <laughs> uh, I have a job. I have a pretty secure job. And uh, I have, you know, I may be stuck here, stuck here, quote, stuck here. Yeah, uh, with my wife and my two kids, but at least I have them, you know, and everybody's healthy and, uh, you know, as stressful as that can be to be all stuck together and whatever, uh, we're making it, making it work. And, uh, but yeah, and I mentioned uh, again, the job is I've been in the social media sphere now for, wow. Uh, since 2007, eight. Wow. Um, and that same time, same timeline as podcasting, really. Um, whether I was listening or, or co-hosting or guesting on shows, but then also uh, going out on my own and doing my own. Um, <clears throat> but what I'm doing now is I'm the director of social media education at Agora Pulse. And Agora Pulse is basically my favorite social media productivity tool. So it's it, 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 a lot of people the joke the joke is a lot of people will say wait what's that and it's like well have you heard of hootsuite yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> oh okay cool except i've used hootsuite before and in fact prior to even ever trying agora pulse uh in my old position at social media examiner i had already given up on hootsuite because i just thought this is clunky this doesn't work the service isn't there and so you know and i'm not paid to say any of that that's literally my personal experience yeah from that and so then trying Agora Pulse and being able to apply what most people call uh, for their email inbox zero that mentality of having no emails in your inbox, clean your inbox out daily or as frequently as you can being on top of that it's your social media listening tool and inbox zero tool for all your social accounts and so since it was such a headache eliminator for me during my day job um I kind of needed a break. I needed to 
I'd been a social media manager at, a, at Indiana Wesleyan University and then also oh, for cool. three years and then social media examiner for five and a half years. And I just said, I need to do something different. But I didn't want to switch completely out of social because I, I like it and I like the people in the industry. Uh, and so I, ha- I happened to have a conversation, happened to start a longer conversation about what Agora Pulse wanted and needed, and they needed somebody to start building some community and some training, not just for their customers, but for being a lead, that being a lead magnet and things like that. Yeah. And so uh, I switched over with them uh, back in November 2019, been with them for about six months now almost, and it's been great. And I'm just thrilled, really just getting started, which is kind of the cool thing. It's like, I've already feel like I've done a whole lot, and I've really just scratched the surface. I love it. Very cool. Well, it looks really cool. And uh, one of these days I'll get to where I can actually uh, buy a, a service like that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I can imagine how much, how much better it was. I can't imagine you mentioned inbox zero. I'm not even going to tell you how many inbox, how many things are emails are in my inbox. Oh, yeah. We're just not going to talk about it. But <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, uh, I can, we could use that. Um, okay. So that's interesting. We're going to talk about, um, kind of your spiritual journey. I'd love to hear that. Um, and I love that you, you said it a little bit earlier, this is something you don't get to talk about. So it'd be kind of cool. You're, you're sort of known in the podcasting space as a podcaster and you, you know, the productivity stuff, but we don't, don't always get a chance to talk about your face. So let's do that. Yeah. So, and there's, there's, I mean, there's some people in that space that know me, know this extra dimension to me, uh, I guess, or they're, they're closer that see, there's the, there's the thing. It's like, if you're closer friends, if you're in a closer circle, you know, this, further out, you know, day in, day out, people that, you know, listen to the show may or may not have picked up on that. Uh, people that interact with me on social may or may not know. But those that interact with me on a regular basis will know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, let's hear it. So uh, where did you grow up? Let's start there. Yeah. So I grew up, in, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. So mm. right across the pond there from Canada and Toronto. And it's near, it's in between Buffalo Syracuse and near Niagara Falls. Okay. Um, so what was it like growing up there? What did spiritually for you? Yeah. So this is where it gets, I mean, this is interesting to me. I mean, I'm trying to recount this myself. Um, I grew up, it, it, I was born into uh, what you would call a Christian family. Uh, my parents were both Christians. We went to an independent Christian church. So non-denominational, mm-hmm. um, which was, which I didn't realize was as unique as it was until later in life. So that was, that was interesting. <laughs> um, and it, it just, just, you it, mean it, it was, the denominational piece or the just Christian family? Uh, you know what? Probably both mm. now that I think about it, but more, more the, the independent church yeah, gotcha. aspect of it. Right. And the reason that I didn't realize it was um, unique was because we as an independent church were also connected with other independent churches in the area and we would do things with mm-hmm. them or, or even some of the ones my, because my father ran the, the, the local church softball league. And so he was the <laughs> guy who was managing who would play who and where and when on what field and times and dates and everything, you know? So we had this great network and <clears throat> I had only later in life seen that really happen in a denomination itself because later in life, which we'll get to, uh, I was attending the Wesleyan mm. church. And so uh, I was part of a youth group and then other youth groups and camps and things. And I was like, Oh, this, I, this is weird. This is like it used to be back in oh, yeah. 
other thing I used to do. So, so that said, there's not a time in my life though that I can look back and say I wasn't, I guess, aware of God. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, there are times where it's like, it, it's, it's a weird feeling for me because it's not necessarily, uh, where is he? Does he exist? Though, again, normal doubts. Happen. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I've always had this, I, I don't know, weird sense or weird, I say weird, but it's probably not. Um, unique is probably better, a better way to describe it because I know other people don't feel this or have this sense. But I always have the sense that God is present. Mm, yeah. Um, I count that as something to be thankful for because there are times where it's just like, okay, cool. That's, that's there. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and not, and, and, and it's more when, when other people would have this, in, the instance of, is he or isn't he there or where is he or what is he doing? That's where I have the, I don't understand what you're doing moments. Mm, sure. You know? So I, I don't know if that really is as clarifying as I think it is, but <laughs> anyway. Well, that makes sense. So it sounds like you, you kind of grew up in a Christian family. You knew the Lord probably very early in your life. Don't, yeah. don't remember a time when he wasn't there and you kind of have a, a personal sense of his presence. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I mean, the story goes to me and I, rem- and I still remember this. This is one of my earliest memories. I was probably four or five, somewhere in the, you know, kindergarten, real early, but you know, you can form memories and you, you that you hold on to. I remember sitting in my room with the window open. It was kind of springtime or something. I had my hands, my arms on the windowsill, my head on my arms. And I'm just looking out and I'm like, hey, God, um, <laughs> you know, what's up? Just wanted to let you know, like, and this is not the words I used, but essentially I was saying, we're cool, right? Like, I'll do what you want. Like, I trust you. Like, it was me, wow. you know, and, and, and without formally you know, uh, making a commitment. It was me making a commitment. And yeah. So then, and I consider that like my, the, the moment, you know, people would say that is your conversion moment. I, I think that that was it, even though later on, um, in a, a year or two later, probably I went to a roller skating party from the, the church and <laughs> I remember they did the whole altar call thing. And so, and I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if I, I don't know where I stand. Like, I guess I, I mean, I think I already did, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I was just like, what, what's the harm in, you know, confirming right. it? And so that's what I, so I did it then too. Um, and my dad like, Hey, I heard that you did that tonight. He was like, cool. That was cool. And like, you know, then he talked to me about that. So twice, you know, those, those are the two times. And then of course there was like getting real, getting actual serious about being a disciple. Yeah. In, well, I want to talk about that. High school area. So that's, that's way later though. Well, absolutely. So one of the things I, what I hear, I just love that picture of you sitting at the window and talking to God as a young child. I'm just imagining how, how pleased God was with that, right? Like that's a, I think he really loves those moments. Like it's, it literally is the faith of a child, right? You have a child who just trusts him. And, uh, so, you know, we have our kind of conventions, the way that we go about, um, you know, bringing people in like you did later, but I think that's all we need, right? Those, those moments with him to know him. Um, okay. So later on, it sounds like probably you, it became your own. 
like you sort of started to wrestle with your faith a little bit in a in a more I want to say serious maybe it's not the right word but you know what I mean way later as a high schooler yeah taking ownership of yeah that's myself it's it's my own it's not somebody else's I mean I, I think I already kind of owned it but that was me kind of making a firm commitment yeah um, there was a couple of factors that between being a, a young kid and being mischievous when it was you know I was the oldest of three boys we're all two years apart so we made it real hard on our parents <laughs> um you know we didn't have the greatest home life though regardless of growing up in a christian home we didn't have the greatest home life you know my dad who has passed now for a while um he wasn't the greatest dad uh i look back and i'm like and i and i, I look back now and i'm like man I, that you know that was something we got through um I, but i wish he was still here yeah that's more so now than ever but uh he um i don't know he, anyway his, he had a, a um an independent business he was a hardwood floor restoration as well as like other things like that and, and carpet cleaning and you know any of that kind of stuff and so he would do that and he so he would do the carpets and some of the hardwood floors at the church that we went to they had a christian school at that school or at that church and so i got in for free my brother got in for free up through i went there from kindergarten through third grade my brother till uh first grade and then my youngest brother never did um, because <laughs> once it was going to be three kids, it was going to, you know, we were yeah. going to start paying a little bit because it wasn't going to cover, you know, what he was doing wasn't going to cover it all. And so then we went, I went into the public school system in fourth grade uh, on. But uh, then the other key factor there was then when I was in eighth grade, my second youngest brother was in sixth grade. That summer he'd been complaining of lots of headaches, been throwing up occasionally. Come to find out, uh, Around Thanksgiving of that year, he was diagnosed. He had a brain tumor. Oh, wow. And so they, they operated on him, um, got it all, but he was in a coma for like six months, which was real hard on our family. Oh, yeah. And then after that point, like he came out of it fully conscious, can function. He's all there. Um, but he's, you know, he's legally blind, though he can like be 10 feet away from me and be looking at me and can tell I'm. I am um, vision wise, but he can never drive. And, you know, so it left, you know, and his equilibrium's a little bit off. So he uses a wheelchair, but he can also walk grabbing onto different things. And mm-hmm. so that changed our lives drastically. And, you know, that's one of those things where it's just like, uh, that was that. So, so not having the greatest home life and then that being added on into it, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of questioning. Yeah. of uh you know i don't understand but for me it was i don't it's not the it's not the are you there it's the i don't understand why but i trust that you still can do good out of this and and honestly part of me being reinforced in that is that my brother who had happened to later on also had those same thoughts and feelings of god allowed this to happen for a reason i don't know why but yeah I mean, it's, you know he's negative towards me he still loves me so yeah well obviously that's going to raise some questions we you, yeah. you know certainly we all face those kinds of well not certainly like that but when we face those kind of moments we have uh you know the, the op- opportunity to question and wonder what god's doing 
And so even if we don't question his, his existence, but that shapes us then in a certain way, right? It changes the way we trust maybe, or the way that we experience. Did you have any kind of, it sounds like you eventually came to a place of trust. Did it, did you have a season of wrestling or what was that? I, you know, it's I, going, I, I've kind of gone back through that and it's not necessarily that there was ever a wrestling. I was a huge sci-fi person. I still am. And I just kind of put it in terms of, okay, there's this, you know, as if, if I'm going to go cold, hard, just entity in the universe that made everything, um, there was a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's basically, do I trust that he is who he says he is? And if he says he is who he is, then he is looking out for me. And so I just can't understand not only why is this happening to me, because it's not, it's happening really more to my brother. Yeah. Um, do I trust that he is who he says he is? Right. And I just said, I have no reason even in this to, to say no. So I, I went with yes and I've gone with yes ever since. And so, uh, even when, and so then the question doesn't become, uh, does he care? It's more, how much am I going to beat my head against the wall trying to figure out what it is he is doing or, can I be patient? Right, right. And I, and, 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 you know, and, and again, skipping ahead years later, being a parent myself, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much what I think it's been like for him on a massive scale. Oh, yeah. The other way around. Isn't it funny how parenthood teaches you that? Like, you, yeah. it's a whole different perspective yeah. of like, oh, I love those moments when kids like make up something to fill in gaps that they can't, they don't get. Right. And they go, oh, well, you know, you, whatever I, I can't come up with a funny example but you know like they, they fill in those gaps and then you're like where did you get you know that that we eat peanut butter because you know we don't like almonds or whatever it is right <laughs> and there's something silly and you're like oh, okay uh, and i wonder how often we do that with god certainly and then i also think kind of science as well but that's a that's a <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's an aside yeah so, so there's a whole lot of you know and again like i said science fiction um, and even or fantasy, like this is where C.S. Lewis comes in for mm. sure. Where mm. the characters, his characterization of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, specifically all through the series, where you see that Aslan's Aslan's on a whole other level, yeah, all throughout, and yeah. it's just like, but you never get the sense that he's malevolent. He's always benevolent. He's always good, and he's good even throughout when bad things are happening. And so I take it from there and I just kind of go with, and I, I don't just kind of go with, I go with that. That's what's happening in real life. And I just can't understand it because I'm not him. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, you, I think you said, you know, kind of high school years you were, so you yeah. were kind of going through that. What, so, <laughs> so long story short, there was a nerdy kid at school. Um, he, in junior high, I started hanging out with him because, you know, he had computer games in the library during that time and, and during lunch. And I hated going into the lunchroom because I was a nerd too. And so <laughs> it's just like, let's get out of here. And I would go play games with him. Eventually at some point in junior high, uh, actually, so, so he transferred over into high school. He, so we still kept in touch. He lived only a few, a little, you know, a couple blocks from me or whatever. He was going to a church and he said, hey, we're having an overnight this, this night. We're going to play video games and eat pizza and stuff all night. I said, sounds fun. I'll come. And then 
that was my first time going to that youth group. And then I think I went a couple of more times at different points. And, and I had already been part of the youth group a little bit at the old church, but they were farther away. Like it was a 20 minute drive. And I, and I didn't have a car. I was like in junior high and low high school. So uh, I started to think, well, this one's way closer. And I'm starting to get to know people there. They seem to really like me, whereas the other place, it wasn't so much the case. <laughs> and they didn't dislike me actively or anything. It was just, yeah, I, did. Yeah. I felt like, hey, I'm not connecting here. And so I started going there. And soon enough, like it was freshman year of high school, summer of that year into sophomore year of high school. And I just became part of it. Like I was a member of the youth group. It was, and it was, you know, I, I came because of one person and then you know, stayed. Yeah. And stayed all throughout, you know, sophomore, junior, senior days of high school and even connected with them and kind of connected with that denomination. And they had this, they have university, more than one university, in fact, of that denomination. I mean, it's non-denominational school, but that's where I went was Indiana Wesleyan University here. Okay. I still live here in Marion, Indiana, where it is. Oh, nice. I used to work there too for a long time. So like after a point there, getting touched, getting in touch with that youth group that spun my whole life in that direct, in this direction. Yeah. Interesting. So in what, in the, in the Wesleyan direction? Yes. Or like, okay. Yeah. Not just the Wesleyan direction, but yeah, I mean, I guess in, in that direction and how it basically, I connected with that youth group, which then connected me with, you know, friends and girlfriends and then that college. And then from that college to, to this physical location in life. I mean, that was this, I mean, that this has now been since that point of coming out here for college, that's been the second half of my life now. Oh yeah, very interesting. So, okay, so it's kind of between Indianapolis and Fort Wayne. I've been, yes. I've been around. Yeah. Um, cool. So, well, interesting. So, how? So, what did that do for you? I mean, obviously, community is super important as a high schooler, right? You just need to have people who. But did they kind of spur you on? Did that spur you on in your in your faith? Did you like? Was there? Did somebody disciple yeah. you or what? Yeah. Yeah, there was no concept of accountability or real just consistent discipleship up until this point this was a point where you know they were all about you know consistency meeting uh corporately as well as uh doing your own stuff on your own spiritual disciplines with prayer and bible study and devotions and all of that and so and 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 not only that but collectively going like i i was going there on sunday mornings then yeah uh, sunday mornings to church and to to Sunday school, as well as, um, did your family go? Well, see, that was the thing is they didn't, but at that point in time, people weren't, re- people had kind of faded in, in my family. That is, they'd kind of faded out from going really anywhere that consistently. But, you know, it was a thing where I basically, I do remember this now. Um, you know, my dad over time, I think he got, he went the other, on the other end of the spectrum than I did when it came to my dad, my brother's condition he was like yeah uh i don't know he he i think in a lot of ways he even though our old church reached out and gave a lot of food and a lot of cooked meals and everything during that time he still felt like maybe the church and or god let him down yeah let us down during that time which i don't know where he would come up with that but at the same time you know he struggled with depression i am sure of it uh looking back on it sure um and let's see. So he wasn't going at all 
my brother was in the hospital. My younger brother wasn't really much part of it. So my mom and I would go sometimes. And she was very much part of it. But uh, I think at some point I had to have the conversation was like, uh, I'm, at the, I'm in this youth group now. I think I want to go to that church. And <laughs> so are we cool with that? And gradually over time, and I mean, eventually, like my brother um, who would go, he would attend, he would go in the wheelchair. My dad, not really. And my younger brother, not really. But my mom, my brother and I, we would go together yeah um but for a long time it was my friend that nerdy kid uh his family would pick me up gotcha yeah which i think speaks to how powerful that can be right just be a friend sometimes that that'll make the whole difference yeah it's a huge deal and so i think the other key piece then for me was not only all of the you know consistency accountability spiritual disciplines but it was the community because Mm. suddenly i had all these friends that they, I mean, they were just like, I mean, they, they didn't hesitate. It was really strange looking back on it. Like, and I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about like, I met these guys and girls for that matter. Uh, I met them in, you know, basically going into my sophomore year of junior or of high school. And a lot of them were college friends too. Wow. And it was that we, you know, it was that first kind of real feeling of this is what church is supposed to be. This is community. This is living life together. This is being there for each other. This is bearing each other's burdens. This is being uh, helpful and uh, supportive to each other. And and of course, in the beginning, all that really takes the form of is uh, being nice to each other. Right. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, not picking on each other. Right. Yeah, and and, and go and, and maybe goes to the next step, which is being interested in people that you don't know yet. And so they were very, I mean, they were very friendly and even the youth pastor, like he wasn't, he had his cheesy moments <laughs> over the years, they all did. like he still <laughs> genuinely cared. And I will never not appreciate that. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think mentors are so important like that too, right? People who just care about you and where you are and, and invest in you. Um, okay. So, so did that take your faith deeper? Were there, were there other events that you can see where you maybe um, had seasons when scripture was really important to you or, or disciplines? I was like, you probably got, got into some of that. Um, like how did that begin to develop in, in your life? Yeah. I mean, again, one of the biggest pieces for me was I had kind of, I, at some point there, I'd taken real ownership of it in mm-hmm. late junior high, early high school and that was even still kind of before I joined that other youth group but once I did I kind of once I once I, once I once it clicked and it was like these are my people um <laughs> I I dove right in like I was like wait we do this wait you guys do this oh okay cool so there was like scripture quiz, bible quiz stuff that they would do yeah yeah there was also uh <laughs> this this youth group had a thing that I now realize is very unique which was they had a thing where they would practice uh, like a, a dramatic kind of long form skit presentation slash interspersed with music numbers that they would do. And they would, they would rehearse that on Saturday mornings throughout the fall. And then in the spring, they would travel around New York State to other Wesleyan churches and even some that weren't and would be the performance or the, the service substitute on certain Sunday mornings or even Sunday evenings and that whole kind of touring that thing and being part of that music role mm. um, thing uh, 
really changed things because it was like one part boot camp, one part, um, you know, band on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, living life on the road. It was like, but it was just the weekend. It was like, you know, sometimes it was we'd leave on a Friday and, or we'd, we'd go, we'd leave on a Saturday and stay overnight at some place. We'd all stay, I mean, you know, members of the churches would like on a Saturday night oh, sure. stay at their house. We'd, we'd split into different groups. And so it was always like, well, I'm, I'm with this and this person or I'm with this and this guy, you know, different groups of people, um, then staying in those families, homes, talking with them, getting to know them. I mean, it was really, uh, a big deal. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty eye opening and different and nothing I expected to ever happen. Um, and then there would be summer camp, you know, mountaintop moments. Yeah. Retreats and, are there any of those that like stand that. out to you that were especially formative? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, I think for me, doing Bible quizzing was one of the biggest things because I didn't realize how much memorizing it was. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how much memorization was possible. That's definitely something yeah. I've gotten away from over time. But I also do like remember a lot. Like I have a, pretty close to photographic memory and I can see things. Wow. It's just about, it's about how quickly I can pull it up or pull it out. It's how blurry or not. I can see it in my head, but I can. Oh, that's so, cool. You remember it in your, the version that you learned it into? A lot of it was NIV and a, we did that's one good. year, which was Matthew. Another year I think was John. I'm trying to th- I don't think I did it all three years that year. I think it was the last two years that I did it. So, yeah, but that was a big deal to just be immersed in that right be on that team right and that will that will shape you right that's oh yeah deeply um when you have the scripture in your heart yeah interesting okay um have you ever had a time when you felt like god was far away or when you actually like maybe you went through a spiritually dry season or a, a time when sometimes called the spiritual desert or the wall yeah i mean here's the thing I think my, my wife would describe it the same way where I think we both had such high expectations and maybe some unrealistic expectations of what marriage was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so during the first year to two years, especially, I think we both, I, I think we've talked about this, but I think we both got hit hard with, Oh, you mean it's not just about them? Like, being all perfect for me. It's about me taking my own responsibility of my, like, it was almost like we both kind of like said, yeah, we got this other person. Now I don't need to do anything as absurd as that sounds. Yeah. And yet that's a lot of, you know, the friction there. And so that would probably be where that would fall into for sure. And even sometimes, you know, past that point where, for example, like when my first daughter, when my first kid, my daughter was born, she was born 10 weeks early. Oh, wow. Like, uh, we weren't ready for this. And then she was super early and it was, you know, my wife was down in Indianapolis an hour away uh, while my daughter was in the ICU or the NICU, I should say. And um, she was staying at the Ronald McDonald house and I had still, I had to work. And so I'd go down there once every couple of days and then go down for the weekend for a good month month and a half yeah like that and then she came home on i mean she was born at the, the first week of january and then she came home valentine's day so about six weeks i guess so that those two kind of 
pieces there were kind of yeah that'll definitely shake you right and you wonder yeah. like what god what's going on where you know you're supposed to fix this stuff right yeah it's, it's you know it's like what why why me and and or you know and that's just that those are kind of outside things although the first one wasn't that was still very much you know oh i need to own this my expectations were off i was looking at this the wrong way and that's been you know in in any subsequent time that that's happened it's always been i have not been paying attention or i've been lax or uh, let things slide myself and then suddenly i look up and i'm like wait where am i and it's not his fault it's mine yeah so yeah absolutely that's always um that's always the well it's often the case i think you know it's a pretty common experience to have uh seasons where you feel like hey god's either not there or you know you're kind of questioning what what he's doing in fact scripture's full of that you know through throughout but um yeah coming back to hey he's still he's still good sounds like that was you were able to do that um interesting how did you get into productivity that is a great question so that was also something that kind of you know was in my head in high school it was very much because i was a horrible student i hated it and and looking back on it it was one part lack of figuring out the system one part having ADHD diagnosed later as an adult, ah. which I just didn't know. And then two or three, see, there you go. Uh, <laughs> three, um, just not liking the system or the setup of how education works the way it helps yeah. do it. And again, I don't take, I don't blame, I don't place blame. I take ownership of saying, Oh, once it, once it clicked that I could learn or have interest in certain subjects and I could excel in that subject, which happened in uh, English classes and sometimes history classes. And I would ask, well, what's what, why does that click? Um, <clears throat> that would help. I would be able to figure that out and, and, you know, kind of figure out what it is about it that's making it work. So it was the, the problem, the puzzle to solve the story to figure out. And so, um, that's kind of where that came from, but I didn't know there. I mean, I didn't know what there was no word productivity in my life. Not until yeah. again past college, even past college, like all throughout that time, it was always just a struggle. But I knew that like it was a system. It was a getting on top of things. It was figuring out your time. It was figuring out your calendar. Um, late in college, and I was excelling finally and able to you know continually pass classes, have interest in them became a communications major, you know, hence, uh, do it, you know, knowing how to, I mean, you know, the technology wasn't there just yet to do podcasts or even edit video or any of that, but I was messing around in some of it. Um, but I was, you know, once it clicked, Oh, communication, this is fun. I enjoy doing this and I enjoy hanging out with these people and it's this topic that's working. Um, that's what, Finally, I was able to say, okay, well, but how do I stay ahead of myself? It's the state. It's honestly, it's the same skills that I'm struggling with with right now with my daughter in her home. <laughs> right. So, right. Helping her figure that out. Uh, but once I was able to click that in college, but so, so, uh, so, you know, jumping ahead years later to where we've got a kid and I am working a full time job and I'm in a cubicle 
Yeah. Hating it. Oh, I'm doing data entry and I'm answering phones and I'm doing that uh, at the first level that I was at in that cubicle. Then I moved up and, and I'm in sales to a certain extent in admissions there at the university. And I'm out, I'm quote out selling <laughs> uh, everybody else in my department. It's like, you know, it's where the, the person right behind me, second level behind me, number two in the office has half of what I have. Wow. I'm definitely doing something right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I wasn't even like half the time I was sitting there bored in my cubicle, but I'm still, I'm up, I'm, I'm oh, performing wow. here. And yet I'm still feeling like I'm lazy sitting there. So, and that was because yeah. you had a system probably to exactly to make it work. So having, having figured that out and having gotten into it, that's where I knew it was a thing. And I started to work on it, have it be part of my routine where I was like, Hey, I just had my routine where the first thing I come in in the morning, I do this, 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 and this in this order. And I'd be done with it before 10 a.m. Yeah. And so I've got two more hours to lunch, come back from lunch, do it again. And then the rest of the day. And it's just like, I wish that I'd been like sitting there blogging, or <laughs> right? Even just writing personally. I know, right? Or something. But I honestly, I surf the web so much. <laughs> I'm sitting funny. there waiting for phone calls or replying to emails as they would come in. So I did that too. That's why, that's how I ended up getting the online stuff, right? Because I was. I was yeah. for, for a long time I was reading blogs and then I switched to a job where I actually had to work. And so I was bouncing people's checks and I couldn't like, you know, I was clicking things I couldn't read. So I switched to podcasts and that's how I found podcasts. Well, and that's where I found podcasts as well. That's when in 2005, uh, June or July, I forget which it's one of those iTunes added podcasts. Yeah. To the sidebar. And I was like, there's an iTunes update. Cool. Click coffee break. Went up to the bathroom, <laughs> came back, got coffee, sat down. What's this podcast thing? started clicking in it and figuring out what they were and listening to it. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. I can sit here and listen to radio shows on my own time. This is awesome. I know. And instantly loved it. Have, have loved it ever since it was going to be a while, like two years before I did one with a friend. Um, then we last, we did that for about a year and then we stopped and then we did it again for another year. And then I got in connection with some of the other people that I'd been in connection with, like Cliff Ravenscraft and others. Yeah. That's how I started to get known. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Started to get known on the internet through that. So yeah, Cliff was on the show a couple times last year. That was pretty cool. A lot of fun. Yeah. Um Okay, so here's the question I want to ask. Are you ever tempted to take the productivity idea and apply it to your faith? I so I don't see them as dissimilar. Interesting. Um, I, I don't see them as mutually exclusive. I, I see part, part of productivity is discipline. Part of being a disciple is discipline. It's right there in the word. Disciple, discipline. It's following. Um, it's and, and I have a very, I mean, over time, I've learned so much about different productivity aspects. Like, for example, how it's not all about productivity in terms of producing, which is part of the word productivity, but it's also about not producing. It's also about rest, which we know is a very, take that and say, okay, well, one of the most productive things you can do each week is take a Sabbath. Right. So they're they're not, you know, and it, it, I mean, and I guess that's just the natural progression there. I mean, that, that's the way I see my faith is like, look, God made life. And so there's times to be busy. There's times to be optimized. There's, you know, it's, it's in other words, (laughs) well, here's the secret In, in order to be, uh, as I'm going to, I'm blanking on the address in the scripture and I'm going to, I'll, I, I bet I could find it. In fact, let me Google it while I talk. 
Okay. Because I know how they'll find it. So this is one of those. If, if you start, I, have, I might know where it is. I have pieces of it. Um, I'll know it in a second. Uh, so basically, it's First Corinthians ten uh, thirty-one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So why would you not want to, whatever you're doing, optimize it to the most to the best of its ability? Because if you're doing anything you're doing to the glory of God, you don't want to do it as if it's shoddy work, right? And that includes the work of living life. And so, yeah. and that's what I, and that's, you know, I don't see productivity as just a work thing. I look at it as a life thing. Oh, that's very good. I think sometimes it's tempting. So this is, and maybe it's just my story, but I, for a long time, I was interested in discipleship, right? Um, and then that kind of led into spiritual disciplines. But the, the struggle with spiritual disciplines is it can become very legalistic very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I got to do this thing. And if I do that, then I'm right with God. And that's just not the case. So for me, Dallas Willard, uh, he had a book called, or wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines that just like sort of cuts that off at the knee. But um, it was was really helpful to me. So that's why I was kind of interested in that idea because I could see, uh, I wonder if you wrestled with it, but I could see where it might be tempting to go, well, I'm going to apply these things and do these things and maybe that'll make that make up your faith, you know, or, or do something well, you- like let me answer that with this. You can be legalistic about productivity as well to where you lose, <laughs> right. you do them, you do it for the practice of doing it without, and you lose the essence of it. And we, there's all about that. And, you know, the spirit of the law versus the law itself. Right. It's something that's often talked about and, and the legalism there. And so, you know, I don't want to be a, a, a Pharisee, a productivity Pharisee. <laughs> so right. I can, I can apply that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, you get what I'm saying. All right. Now I've got the title for this episode. Don't be a productivity <laughs> first. That's very good. Uh, anyway, very cool. Well, that's interesting. How, what, what has, um, you know, for, I know for a lot of us finding kind of the online space and our online businesses, give us a voice, right? Help us find our, find ourselves. How, how has that done, done that for you? Yeah. Um, that's been interesting, you know, and, and there's one been one of the things where it's like, you know, again, speaking of legalism or speaking of, however you want to call it. My approach has always been, I am not a person who is quote evangelistic. I am not a person who in every interaction I have with somebody, I need to try and preach at them. I just feel, I I personally feel that's wrong. Um, There are people who would disagree with me. And in fact, that's been one of the, that's been my experiences. I've always been quote, too religious for some and not religious enough for others. That's just kind of fit, fit in that middle zone. So I would rather be, if I can, and this is what I try to do, I would rather be Jesus to every single person I have come in contact with. And I think that, I think, at least I'd hope, but I think that that's been the case. Yeah. Where if I'm a jerk, like, crap, I realize it later. And I, un- and I apologize. So it's not that I'm perfect, but it's that uh, that has been the approach what I was curious about is just how you've kind of discovered who you are and how, you know, maybe that relates to, you know, certainly your work, but also your faith, you know, because God, God made us each to do certain things. And so uh, you're, you're doing that. I can, I actually can think of about three different things that I want to bring up in regards to this. So if I really think about it, we're in 
2020 right now, uh, since about 2007, five, six, seven. So maybe, yeah, maybe like 15 years, I feel like. Wow. Kind of an, an online life. Um, it's about how you carry yourself. It's about, uh, how, how you're known or what you're known for, but not just as like, quote, an expert, but as like a person. It's who you're, it's, it's about that dichotomy of who are you, how are you perceived and who are you perceived as and what, what's your character? In other words, um, does what you present yourself as match who you are? Is who you say you are who you really are? That's yeah. been a struggle. That's like, that is, I mean, especially as somebody who is having conversations with people and then gets labeled as a productivity expert, it's like, well, am I? You know what? No. I would still claim it in some senses. No. Yes and no. Uh, I would say I know a lot, but I always am learning and studying and, and, and I definitely screwed up. Um, but I would say, hopefully in the most important places, I'm still me and I'm, I'm an admittedly valuable and not filled with an ego or you know, any of those kinds of things. Because you know, that's one of the other things that kind of comes along in the online space is that whatever the thing it is that you're doing, you've got to market it and get it out there. Well, it's like, yeah, but how far is too far? Like, right. there's marketing to a point, and then there's when you go beyond that, and you're like, I'm the greatest, and you start to believe your own press. Right. You know? Right. So, so there's that. The, the thing I think helps me, though, um, <laughs> stay humble in some ways, is <laughs> I've had a lot of people send messages. And I won't, when I say a lot, <laughs> I don't want to make that sound like, oh my gosh, I get, I get like so many emails of all the, you know, I, I sound like some inflated ego people when I say that. <laughs> uh, but the times that I've gotten messages from people who've been thankful for something I've put out there, whether it's been uh, a productivity tool or a tip or a trick or a podcast episode, all of the above, and they've been thankful and they've said thank you, that's humbling. And it's then, you know, you, it just shows you never know uh, how many lurkers there are listening or watching that see what you do and it reinforces and or is is a small part much much like my nerdy friend back in junior high who pivoted pivot pointed my life without knowing he was at the time yeah without me knowing i might be that pivot point for somebody else isn't that powerful i i love that that is one of my favorite things you know certainly with podcasting uh as you know you can reach all over the world everywhere i've seen the stats yeah right it's it's all over the world and people you, you never know how you're going to influence someone um and it's amazing wow um all right eric i don't want to keep you too long thank you so much for being here friends you can find eric at beyond the to-do list.com i've got links to that and eric's uh twitter there which is where he likes to hang out so um eric is there anything you want to leave us with uh not necessarily just you know I think I'm thankful for anybody who has listened to this and maybe found some sort of connection to my story in their own. Um, I'm glad to have shared it. So thanks for listening. Well, thanks for sharing it. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I, I tell everybody that we, you know, you're one of the people I used to listen to when I met you at a podcast movement and I was like, Oh, I know, I know who that is. Like, I, <laughs> and we were talking and you said, Hey, I'd love to do that. I thought, wow, that's uh, it would meant a lot to me. So I really appreciate you coming and just sharing a little bit of your story. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Yeah.